John chapter 5. Well, good. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is a Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take, your be- take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is this man? Who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, I wanted to read through that whole passage there of this account of the man that was healed here at the pool of Bethesda. Now we'll break it down and we'll talk about it. And so, first of all, there was a, there was a supernatural phenomenon that, that occurred uh, at the pool of Bethesda where a random, at, at, at random times an angel would come down and would stir up the water in the pool of Bethesda. And the first one that got in after the waters were stirred got healed. So uh, this, was, this was a random, unpredictable occurrence. Nobody knew exactly when it would happen. And that's why the Bible says that the people were, would gather there. It says there was a great multitude of sick people, and they would gather there, and they would lay around and be, be there right around the pool so they could be ready whenever that time came, whenever the angel came down and stirred up the water, and then the first one that got in uh, got healed. And so it was um, very random. And uh, they were, the Bible says, again, they were laying around the pool and they were waiting for the moving of the water and perhaps they were working on their tans while they waited. Well, what do you do when you lay out by the pool? That's what you do, right? So perhaps they were working on their tans. You probably never heard anybody preach that before, have you? Well, introducing some new doctrine here. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, anyway, everybody was waiting for this supernatural manifestation. It was actually, it was like the healing lottery, actually. All right. And uh, what, so was this really of God? Some people think, well, you know, this doesn't sound like the way that God operates. Was it really of God? Yes, it was. It was a healing that was God initiated. And then you have these people that try to explain it away naturally. Oh, well, the, 
these waters at the pool of Bethesda, they had these healing properties in them and they sometimes would bubble. Just like the, the, the same people that try to explain away the parting of the Red Sea and the children of Israel cross. Well, you do know now, don't you, that where they crossed, you know, there was this ridge and so the water was really only six inches deep where they crossed. Well, it's quite an amazing thing that the whole, that the entire Egyptian army drowned in six inches of water then, isn't it? No, the parting of the Red, of the Red Sea was supernatural. And this uh, occurrence at the Pool of Bethesda was supernatural. And it was a healing that God initiated, all right? And so then Jesus comes along to the Pool. By the way, uh, when I went to Israel in, in uh, the, uh, November of 2019, we went to the Pool of Bethesda. And I actually, I actually got healed there. And I didn't get down in the water. There's no water in it anymore, but there's the ruins of it. And you could, we walked down into uh, the, the area there. And I, I was having some pain in my leg actually that day from, from uh, having to, uh, we, were, we, were, when we were in Jerusalem that day. And it was very crowded. And so you're walking through the streets of Jerusalem kind of like this instead of being able to make a full stride. And I think that's what it was. And my leg just got sore from just having to, having to shuffle you know, along with the rest of the crowd. I wish people would walk as fast as me all the time. We would get somewhere, right? And uh, so, so anyway, I was having pain in my leg and I thought, well, Lord, here we are at the pool of Bethesda. You healed the lame man. And so, Lord, I thank you that you healed my leg. And the pain left. He healed my leg. Yeah, there when I was at the pool of Bethesda. So anyway, a little side note. But so Jesus comes up and encounters this man, this lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And uh, back in verse 5, we'll go back up there. It says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And at first glance, a lot of people would say, Well, Jesus, of course, the man wanted to be well. But this really is a valid question. Amen. Sometimes, you know... Sometimes before God gives us an answer, he has to ask us a question. And before this guy could get an answer, Jesus had to ask him a question. He had to locate the man. He had to help the man to see where he was at. Do you really want to get well? You know, sometimes some people get so used to their infirmity that they can get to a place where they really don't want to get well anymore. They might lose, if they did, if they got well, they might lose the sympathy of others. They might lose their disability benefits. They might lose their excuses. Now, again, that, that, that may sound harsh and, and hard there, and it's not a blanket statement. It certainly doesn't apply in every situation, but uh, sometimes it does. Amen. And I'm not saying that applies to anyone in here today, but we have to ask ourselves the question, if we really, and I'm trying, I'm not trying to be hard on anybody today, but I'm trying to help every one of us to receive God's best in our lives. Amen. Do you want to get well? Yeah. Do you really want God's best in your life? Yeah. Do you want to be made whole? Yeah. Amen. Amen. And uh, so Jesus penetrated right to the heart of the matter with this man and asking him that, do you want to get well? Do you want God's, do you really want God's intervention in your life? Do you really want God to come into your life? It might mean you have to make some changes. It might, make you, it might mean you may have to uh, change the way you're thinking. Change the way you're believing. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so 
so do you want to get well? Or are you just here working on your tan, brother? Amen. So the man responded, actually, with another excuse. Look at what he says in verse 7. It says, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And so, he, so he basically, rather than, rather than giving Jesus a, a straight answer, he comes up with another excuse as to why he's not here. Well, if I just had somebody to, to throw me in the water, if I just somebody, had somebody to help me, but here I am lame and the water stirred up, somebody jumps in there. Yeah, I always thought it was, it was, it was quite amusing as well that, that it says that, that around the pool of Bethesda, there were, there were people that were lame and that were blind. And so the sad thing is the lame people couldn't get up and get in the pool. And the blind people couldn't find their way into the pool. That was supposed to be a joke. But it wasn't funny to those people that were suffering. I know that. I realize that. But anyway, he says he gives, he gives uh, uh, Jesus an excuse here. He says, I don't have anybody to help me. If I just had somebody that would help me, then maybe I could get healed. Well, we need to stop making excuses as to why we're not healed. Amen. Jesus cuts to the chase with the man. In verse 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. Praise God. So rather, so the guy got it. Rather than responding with another excuse, you know, the man could have said, when Jesus said, Rise and take up your bed, the man could have said, Can't you see? Didn't you, didn't you hear me say, I can't walk? But he didn't. He chose to obey what Jesus said. It says, he, it, Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. The man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. Praise God. So the, so the man obeys Jesus. He gets up and he walks off healed. Praise God. Amen. After 38 years, after 38 years, again, after 38 years, a person gets used to living like that. That's why Jesus had to ask him, do you really want to get well? This is going to be a radical change in your life. Praise God. All right. And so he walks off healed after 38 years. Verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he says, he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. In other words, the man said, you know, this guy over here that healed me, that made me well after 38 years, he told me that I can walk. He told me to take up my bed and carry it. I think I will obey him rather than what you're telling me. Amen. Praise God. Verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you've been made well. Sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, here's the point. Sin, Jesus makes it clear here that sin can open up the door to sickness and disease in our lives. I'm not saying, and the Bible doesn't say, because there's another case in John chapter 9 where there was a, a blind man, a man blind from birth, and the disciples asked him, they said, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither one. 
In fact, the message Bible says you're asking the wrong question. There's no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. And Jesus proceeded to heal the man. The, you, you think about the woman in the, in the synagogue in Luke chapter 13 that she would, was bent over. She was in that condition. A spirit of infirmity had caused her to be bent over for 18 years. Uh, Jesus called her uh, up to the front and, he, and he, laid his, he said to her, woman, you're loose from your infirmity. He laid his hands on her and she was healed. He didn't mention anything there about, about her being in sin. So you can't make a blanket statement, but in the, in the case of this man, and in some cases, yes, sin can open the door to sickness and disease in our lives, okay? But I want you to notice the order here as well. Jesus didn't say, sin no more, and then come back in six months, and I might decide to heal you. This man apparently was in and was living a life of sin. And, Jesus, and yet Jesus didn't refuse to heal him. Amen? He said, but, but once he was healed, he said, okay, now sin no more. You're well now. Now I'm going to teach you how to keep the door closed so this doesn't come back or so that something worse doesn't come back. Are you out there? I, 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 got, I got the wheels turning on the, you're thinking, aren't you? All right. Praise God. And so again, notice the order. Notice the order here. He didn't say sin no more and then I might heal you. He went ahead and healed him. And then he said, sin no more. Amen. Brother Hagin used to say it this way, God will heal you on credit. <laughs> Amen. He so, his compassion, his mercy, his goodness, he so desires to bless us and help us. He will heal us on credit. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. We don't have to earn it. We can't earn it, in fact. Amen. Praise God. All right. So uh, not only was the phenomenon of the angel stirring up the water... A God, we could call that a God-initiated healing. When, when the angel came down, stirred up the water, you know, that's quite obvious that God is initiating that healing, right? Yeah. Can you agree with me on that? So not only that, but, but then Jesus coming along and, and encountering the man and healing the man as well. That was a God-initiated healing. Why? Because we don't have any record. Uh, the Bible says that there was a great multitude of sick people there. And we don't have any record of Jesus healing anybody else other than that one man there that day. Now, again, that doesn't mean that it was not the will of God for all of them to be healed. I believe that if, that if those people had recognized who Jesus was, see, the men didn't even know. The men didn't know Jesus. After he got healed, they said, well, who healed you? He said, oh, I don't know. And uh, so he found out later after Jesus uh, followed up with him and saw him in the temple that it was Jesus, he didn't know. And so he didn't know to approach, he didn't know that Jesus was the healer. He didn't know to approach him. He didn't know to come to him. Apparently, none of the other people there around the pool of Bethesda did either. And so this was a healing that, that God initiated. Jesus was led, Jesus said this, he said, I only do what I see my father do, right? Amen. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And then that, and that, instance, the Holy Spirit only led him to that man. And so that, that is a God-initiated healing. That's like when we have the, the, the gifts of healings in operation. When the, 
when, when gifts of healings are in operation and someone that, that is flowing in that says there's somebody here and you have this condition or, um, uh, and of course, you know, uh, Wendy here in the church, the Lord uses her. She actually has a sensation, the physical sensation of pain in the part of her body. She said there's some, you know, she'll start having pain in her neck. There's somebody here that's got a sore neck. She'll call out. Well, what is, you say, well, God didn't call out my, my condition. My condition was, a, you know, I've got stomach trouble and God didn't call that out. Does he not want me well? Well, yes, he wants you well. But the gifts of the spirit are where, that's where God initiates the healing. He tries to give people a nudge. Okay, look, you can receive this. He, he's pointing that out, pointing your condition out. So there are healings that God initiates. That's what we're, that's what we're saying here. And uh, we talked about the woman um, in, uh, in the synagogue. Let's look at her for just a moment. All right. We don't have her not look at her picture. We're going to look at her case, not her picture. So we don't have a picture of her. Royal said, where's her picture? All right. So uh, Luke 13 and verse 10. All right. It says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So again, here's the woman sitting in the synagogue and Jesus calls her out. He says, come here. You know, he calls her to himself. So Jesus is initiating this healing. Can you see that? All right. He initiates the process whereby this woman was healed. Uh, and then he says to her, she comes up and he says to her, woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. And then he lays hands on her. And then she's made straight and glorifies God. So she, uh, she is healed by Jesus initiating that healing. All right. And so, but the truth is you don't have to wait for God to initiate your healing. That's the good news, and that's the heart of really what I want to say to you this morning. Um, you don't have to wait for God to initiate your healing. You can initiate your healing. Praise God. Won't you say that? Say, I, I can initiate my healing. Turn to your neighbor. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, you can initiate your healing. Amen. Now... So it really in all healing, yes, it's God initiated. Let me clarify because God has already made the first move, right? Amen. Amen. God's already made the first move. He's declared himself to be the healer of his people. And in redemption, Jesus took our infirmities. Jesus bore our sicknesses. So in that sense, God has already initiated or he's provided healing for all mankind. But when it comes to someone receiving their healing, when it comes to a person receiving their healing, they themselves, we ourselves can initiate or set our healing into motion. We can set the process into motion whereby we're healed and whereby the healing is manifested in our bodies. We, we get to be in control of that. We, we're not, we don't have to, we, you know, we don't have to sit around and, and sing Kumbaya. You know, let's, let's build a campfire and get our guitar out and sing Kumbaya. You know what Kumbaya means? Kumbaya means, come by here, Lord. Don't pass me by. Or, or the old hymn, pass me not, oh blessed say. Well, he's not going to pass you by. 
Amen. You don't have to wait. You can reach out to him. Amen. Hallelujah. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Yeah. Uh, that's, not, that's one we're not going to sing around here. So. <laughs> we sing a lot, of good, a lot of the good hymns, though, don't we? I appreciate Clint for reintroducing us to a lot of those. Amen. All right. And so this, uh, there are healings then that, that we can initiate. So let's look at that. Let's look at some examples of that in Scripture. And Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And notice this, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. These, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, they had come to hear Jesus, but they'd also come with an ulterior motive. They had also come uh, wanting to find fault with him. And yet the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal the people that had gathered there that day. Praise God. Well, why, why was that the case? Well, I like to put, um, uh, we read that out of Luke. I want to I go now to Mark and read the same account out of Mark's gospel. And Mark says this in verse, uh, Mark 2, verse 2, Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. In other words, the house filled up. It was, a, it was at a house and the house filled up. All these people were there. And notice what it says. And he did what? To, he preached the word to them. Now, there's a connection there between he preached the word to them. Uh, go, back to the, go back to Luke real quick, Mike. In verse, uh, there's a connection between he preached the word to them and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I hope you understand that. Yes. Amen. That was his method. That was the method that Jesus, uh, if we read, we, there's several scriptures in the New Testament that says Jesus went about teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease among the people. The teaching and the preaching came before the healing. Why? Because the teaching and the preaching produce faith because the Bible tells us in Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so Jesus was preaching the word and, the, and as a result of him preaching the word there, the power of the Lord was present to heal people. All right. But notice this now. All right. And uh, again, the, apparently none of them of these Pharisees and teachers of the law, apparently none of them tapped into that power, yet one person did, aided by the faith of his friends. So let's keep reading in verse 3 of Mark 2. Verse 3, it says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through... They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Can you, can you picture this? Uh, they, they, they come, these, these guys, they, they hear that Jesus is in this house and they've got this friend that's paralyzed and they say, hey, let's, let's get him to Jesus. We know that our friend will be healed if we get him to Jesus. And so they bring him on a stretcher and uh, bring him in and they can't get in. Uh, there's such a crowd, they can't even get in the door. And uh, they don't give up. 
They don't get there. They don't build a campfire and get their guitars out and start singing. Maybe he'll hear us. Kumbaya, my Lord. No, they don't sit out there singing. Oh, maybe Jesus will come by after he gets through preaching. They say, we're going to get our friend to Jesus no matter what. And so they climb up on the the roof of this house. And, uh, you know, it probably wasn't a 10, 12 pitch. And with asphalt shingles that we have today and decking under that, it was probably a flat roof with, with, with those clay tiles. And so they, they got up there and they removed the tiles, tore the roof off, made a, an opening big enough to be able to let their friend down into the midst of where Jesus... So Jesus is here teaching and he's preaching and all of a sudden, this guy appears in front of... Pretty cool, huh? This guy gets lowered down in front of him and notice that Jesus doesn't say... What do you think you're doing? You know, are, you're interrupting my service here. Would you play? This is so rude of you. Why are you doing this? No, Jesus didn't say that. When he saw, well, look at what it says, well, that, how Jesus responded. Verse 5, when Jesus did what? Saw, saw their faith. Jesus, can, can faith be seen? Can faith be seen? It absolutely can. How did Jesus see their faith? Well, pastor, he looked into the realm of the spirit and in their hearts. No, no, no. He saw he saw their faith by their action. He saw their faith by the fact that they weren't willing to give up. And, and, and turn around and say, well, maybe it must not be God's will for you to get healed today. Because if it was, we could have been there. But it must not be God's will. Now, he saw their faith when they would take, wouldn't take no for an answer. And they climbed up on the roof and they tore the roof off and they let their friend down. That's how he saw their faith, by their action. Amen. Faith is released. Faith is demonstrated by our words, but also by our action. Amen. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And, uh, and so it was their action. They saw, uh, the, Jesus saw not only the faith of the man, but, but primarily in particular, the faith of his four friends. Amen. And verse 8, we'll skip down to verse 8. It says, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned, those Pharisees and teachers of the law were saying, well, what does he mean? They got all bent out of shape when Jesus said to the men, son, your sins are forgiven you. And so uh, Jesus did that, I think, to goad them and also to, to demonstrate another powerful point here that we're about to see. Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Look at verse 9 now. Which is easier? He didn't say which is harder. Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. It's not hard for Jesus to forgive your sin. Now the price he paid was, was costly. But it's easy. It's easy. And it's not hard for him to heal your body. It's easy. He didn't say which is harder. He said which is easier. Amen. 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 Which is easier. Say your sins are forgiven or to say arise, take up your bed and walk. But verse 10, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, 
take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. So the man was healed. But again, who initiated his healing? Quite obviously the man and the man had to agree. The man could have said, well, no, I don't think I want to go. No, I don't think I believe in this. When his four friends came to him and said, hey, we heard Jesus is in town. We're going to get you to him so you can be healed. He said, let's go. He didn't protest. He didn't say, oh, no, it's not going to do any good. He was right there with him. Now, you can help others with your faith if you can get them to agree with you. If they're not agreeing with you, if you're believing they're healed and they're believing they're going to stay sick or they're going to die, then you can't help them. They have to agree with you. Amen. It was another good nugget that we. Amen. And uh, so again, you know, Jesus didn't say as a man was being lowered into his midst, "What do you? What do y'all think you're doing here? How dare you interrupt my teaching service? What makes you think I'll heal you?" He didn't say anything like that. He said, "No." He said, "This one's going to be easy. This one's going to be easy. Look at the faith that's being demonstrated." Look at the faith they have in boldly approaching me, being willing to tear the roof off. Look at the faith that they're showing. This this healing is going to be easy. Amen. Amen. Let's look at one more. And uh, Clint, you can come on back up if you would. Woman with the issue of blood, Mark chapter 5. In Mark 5, verse 25, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. All right. So again, this woman, she's got this condition. She's had it for 12 years. She's been sick for 12 years. It's not getting any better. In fact, it's getting worse. The doctors have said, ma'am, we don't know what you have. We've tried our best and we can't help you. Uh, We'll send you a bill. And they did. And she'd spent all of her money. But the doctors couldn't help her. She was getting worse. I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the doctor. I'm just saying that doctors don't have all the answers. I'm just saying that we should ultimately look to God as our healer. Whether we go to the doctor or not, that's up to you. That's a decision that you need to make. I'm in favor of doctors. I'm in favor of using doctors. Amen. Uh, but, but, but medical science is limited in what they can do and their reach and their help. But God is unlimited. God is unlimited. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. And so uh, uh, it's, her condition's getting worse. Nothing's working. So basically, it's a hopeless condition that she has here. But the good news is things begin to turn around when she heard about Jesus. The Bible says she heard about Jesus. And again, what happened when she heard? Faith came. Faith came. She heard a report about Jesus, a true report, an accurate report. I pray that you've heard a true and an accurate report about Jesus. I pray that you've not heard some watered down religious tradition report about Jesus. Oh, well, he can heal, but it might not be his will. That's not a true report about Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus healed all that came to him. He never turned anyone away. 
Praise God. Well, pastor, you just got through saying you didn't heal everybody in the, at the pool of Bethesda. They didn't come to him. If they would have come to him in faith, if they would have recognized who he was and come to him, I'm convinced he would have healed every one of them. We have scripture for that. Praise God. Over and over where we see that happening. And it would have happened, I'm convinced, at the pool of Bethesda. And so, the, and so faith came. She heard about Jesus. And then she began to say, after she heard, she began to say something. She began to say, if I touch his clothes, this might work for me. Uh, that's a trick question, trick statement. She didn't say it might work for me. She didn't say, I think I'll try this. She said, if I touch his clothes, I shall. Amen. That's where you have to get to in faith. Amen. That's where we have to get to. We have to get to, I shall be made well. Amen. I'm not going to try it. I'm not going to hope it's going to work. I shall. I shall. She said, if I touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Praise God. And then she came and touched the hem of his garment. She initiated her healing. Amen. Amen. Just like you can initiate your healing. Let's look at what happened. Verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Now, when did she believe it? She believed it before she felt anything. She received it before she felt anything. After she believed it and received it, then she felt it. Amen. If we wait until we, if we wait to believe it until we feel it, we'll never get there. We'll never, we have to believe that we receive it before we feel it. Before we see it. If we believe that we receive it before we see it, then we will see it. If we wait to see it or feel it before we believe it, We'll never see it. We'll never get there. Amen. And so immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Verse 30. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself. When did Jesus immediately know in himself that power had gone out of him? When did he know that? After she touched him. Up until that time, Jesus was not conscious and aware that that woman was anywhere around or anything about her situation. So did Jesus initiate this healing? Obviously not. Did God initiate this healing? Obviously not. Who initiated it? The woman herself. The woman initiated her healing, right? Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? You know what? It happened just like she said it would. What'd she say? She said, if I touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And then she came and acted on that. She acted on what she said. And it turned out just like she said it. Just like she believed it. And and, and faith works the same today. It It will turn out for you exactly the way that you say it and believe it. Amen. Praise God. It happened just like she said it would. So she touched his garment. Power flowed out of him and into her when she touched his garment. So she initiated that. Jesus wasn't even aware, wasn't even conscious that she was around until he sensed that power flowing out of him. That's when, she knew, that's when he knew that she was around. Verse 31, his disciples said to him, 
you see the, he says, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples said, you see the multitudes thronging you and you say, who touched me? A lot of people were touching Jesus. He was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. There was a big crowd gathered around him. They were jostling him. There was a lot of people touching him. He was in the, he was in like, like I expressed earlier in that, like a crowd, like I was in, in Jerusalem that day where you're, you're just shuffling. You could almost just, you know, let your feet be picked up and just be carried along by the, by the press of the crowd almost. And uh, so that's the way it was with Jesus. So many people were touching him, but one person, one person touched him with faith. And that's the difference. Amen. It wasn't just the touch that drew the power out of him. It was the faith. Oh, if Jesus were only here where I could touch him. Well, a lot of people touched him that day and didn't get anything. It's not the touch per se that does it. It's the faith behind the touch that does it. And that power is present everywhere. And your faith today can tap into it. Your faith today can tap into that power, just like that woman's faith did back then. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, my power has made you well. Again, another trick question. Yes, it was his power, obviously. But is that what Jesus said? Did Jesus put the emphasis on his power? No, he put the emphasis on her fine. Why did he do that? Because his power, that's a given. That's a given. Amen. It's like the, it's like the man that came to Jesus where his son was having the seizures. And he said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus turned it around to the man and said, no, it's not a matter of what I can do. That's established. That's established. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And so Jesus didn't put the emphasis on his power here because that's a given. That's a constant. The power is present. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. She initiated her healing. Her faith made her well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Praise God. Listen, if her faith can make her well, then you know what? Your faith can make you well. Amen. In fact, say that. Say, say if her faith could make her well, then my faith can make me well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, well, are you sure that's not just an isolated case, Pastor? Well, let me, let's look at one more. Before we go today, Mark chapter 6. Mark 6, verse 53, it says, When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard that he was. And so what, what was the, the first thing that happened here? It says the people recognized him. The people of the pool of Bethesda didn't recognize him. The man that got healed didn't even recognize him. But here in Mark chapter 6, when Jesus 
when Jesus crosses, comes to the land of Gennesaret and anchors there and they get out of the boat, it's immediately the people recognize him. It's Jesus. It's the healer. It's the healer. And it says that they run out and they begin to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard that he was, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country. And so this is, this is happening over a period of, of, of time here. Every village he went into, every city he went into, or if he was just out in the countryside, not in a, not in a city or a village, wherever he entered, into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made well. Every one of them. Every one of them that touched him were made well. Why? Because they recognized him as the healer and they believed that if they would touch him, that they would be made well. And every one of them, not one of them was turned away. Not one of them was disappointed. Praise God. We can initiate our healing. We can tap into... Through faith, we can tap into the power of God. Hallelujah. Stand up. Let's act on this right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Make this Again, I've had you making some declarations today. Let's make this one. Just close your eyes, raise, raise one hand up toward heaven and say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are my healer. Lord Jesus, you are my healer. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. You're still doing that. The woman with the issue of blood touched you in faith. And you said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. If her faith could make her well, then my faith can make me well. So Lord Jesus, right now, in faith, I reach out to you. I don't have to touch you physically. I know your power is here. I know that your power is present to heal anyone. So in Jesus' name, I release my faith. In Jesus' name, I receive my healing from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. I'm not going to be healed. I am healed. I receive my healing. I take it now by faith. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, 
for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for healing me in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive your healing right now.